firmly I believe and truly, God is three and God is one. And I next acknowledge duly, manhood taken by the Son. And I trust and hope most fully in that manhood crucified. And each thought and deed unruly, due to death as he has died. Simply to his grace and holy light and life and strength belong. And I love supremely solely him the holy, him the strong. And I hold in veneration for the love of him alone, holy church as his creation and her teachings as his own. Adoration I be given with and through the angelic host to the God of earth and heaven, Father, Son and Holy Ghost. Amen. Welcome to my podcast for Trinity Sunday. We began with the words written by St. John Henry Newman for his opera The Dream of Gerontius, known so affectionately and well as Firmly I Believe and Truly. What a wonderful hymn to begin our reflection for this Sunday in which we honour the Most Holy Trinity, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. If our human capacity to think, to reason logically and to seek meaning was left to its own resources, we certainly could come to a well-thought-out and carefully argued understanding that God exists and that he is the creator of the world. But what we could not do is to arrive at an understanding of the identity of God, nor that we can have a relationship with him. God's existence is knowable without faith. His identity and his relationship with us is only knowable with faith and through what God himself has revealed to us. You see, God has disclosed his identity to us. So from what has been revealed to us, we believe that God is a life of community as Father, Son and Spirit, such that there is unity of being and nature. Note that this is entirely out of this world, literally. There is nothing like this in the whole created order of the universe. But this belief we have as Catholic Christians is not an abstract theory, but rather a redeeming knowledge. Why is it redeeming? Because being a Christian does not mean having an external relationship to an otherworldly lawgiver, but rather having an inner relationship to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in the Holy Spirit, to the point that God dwells in us and we in him. Belief in the one God in three persons is crucial for our Christian identity. This is why belief in the dogma of the Trinity is a chief article of the faith. And it is one article of faith that unites most who claim to be Christian. We pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. 
we are baptized and incorporated into Christ in the name of the Trinity. Our knowledge of God is a participation in that infinite knowing that the Father has of the Son and how the Son knows the Father. Our love for God is a participation in that love in the Holy Spirit in which the Father and the Son are united. The dogma of the Trinity certainly is a mystery because it contains two truths that our human reason cannot reconcile, namely that there is one God and each of the three divine persons is God. But the mystery is not a contradiction. What does this mean? Well, we are not professing that God is one in exactly the same way in which he is three. Rather, the dogma says that God is one in nature and three in person. Now, while we can explain the mystery of the Trinity, we cannot explain the doctrine to the point where we can have full understanding of it. If we could, there would be no more mystery, and also it would not have had to be revealed to us by God himself. We can explain the doctrine by giving the meanings of the terms that express it. As we show what is meant by nature and what is meant by person, the assertion of the three persons in one nature becomes clearer. Nature has to do with essence. Our human nature, our essence, is what makes us what we are and marks us off from all other things. Our human essence consists in the union of body and soul, which enables us to move, to feel, hear and see, to think and to reason. In other words, to act as a human being. In a similar way, the nature of an angel enables the angel to act as an angel. The acts that I do as a man do not belong to my nature or essence, but they belong to me as a person. When I move my arm, I do not say, my arm moved, but rather, I moved my arm. Likewise, I say that I spoke, not that my tongue has spoken. It is I, as a person, who does these things. Person is therefore distinct from nature. So in God there are three distinct persons in one divine nature. Every act that God does is done through his divine nature and is the work of three persons. None of the divine, none of the divine persons can use the divine nature to act alone. Every divine action belongs at once and equally to all three persons. This gives us some insight into the profound, interior and intimate life of God. The belief in the Holy Trinity, revealed to us, not invented by us, sets us apart from others. It doesn't make us better than others. 
However, we cannot avoid the fact that we have been given a superior way to all other ways to God, because it has been revealed to us by God himself. So, belief in the Trinity distinguishes Christianity from the monotheism, that's belief in one God, of the Old Testament and Judaism, and from the Quran and Islam, as well as natural philosophy. You hear these days much mention of the three Abrahamic faiths, Judaism, Islam and Christianity. It is good that we should be friendly to and with each other, and that we recognise that each faith longs for God and seeks to be faithful to God. However, there are fundamental differences in our understanding of God, which cannot be glossed over or removed simply by acting as good cousins to each other. The character of Allah in the Quran is wholly different from the character of the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Also, the ethics and ambitions of Muhammad are wholly different from those of Jesus Christ. Those who have done more study than I also say that Islam derived some of its ideas from Christianity, but it changed some things in order to supplant and replace Christianity. For example, Abraham and others from the Old Testament, who also appear in the Quran, may have the same name, but they do and say things that are very different. They are different characters, and this applies to God as well. So the way that Muslims pray and act towards Allah is different from the way that Jews pray and act towards Yahweh and the way that Christians pray and act towards God, who is Father, Son and Holy Spirit. That is different again. Being honest about our differences is not necessarily an obstacle to friendly relations. However, to gloss over the differences for the sake of being nice to each other is not ultimately helpful, and it could mean that Christians and Catholics were being untrue to our faith, which has been revealed to us. Now we find something much closer to our Christian understanding of God in Judaism. This is obvious because we read much of the same inspired scriptures as the Jews do. So in the first reading, we behold how, through Moses, the chosen people are given a privileged understanding of God. God is awesome and majestic. He is worthy of worship because he is Lord and because he is good, being a merciful and gracious God, slow to anger and rich in kindness and fidelity. At the same time, God wants to be in a relationship with human beings, beginning with the, this chosen people. Moses asks, do come with us, and God does. At the same time, human beings have a hard time going along with God. We are stiff-necked and in need of pardon for our sins. Truly peaceful coexistence between different faiths certainly must seek to discover points of commonality. 
but we must not shy away from the responsibility to discuss our differences with calmness and clarity. The real heart of interreligious dialogue is found in a respectful willingness to strive to understand what others believe and to explain convincingly and accurately what we believe and to give a clear exposition of our respective religious tenets. To speak of the Holy Trinity as we do today in the context of the sacred liturgy is most appropriate because communion with the Trinity is the goal of our worship and our lives. It is also the purpose of the salvation history that begins in the Bible and continues in the Eucharist and sacraments of the Church. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen.